When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. This episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever is being brought to you in association with Wednesdays to Maine, a brilliant new alcohol-free wine brand. Fed up of not being able to find a decent alcohol-free wine, the founder, Luke, set about creating Wednesdays to Maine, a great-tasting, beautifully branded, alcohol-free alternative. When you remove the alcohol from a wine, you impact its taste, texture and aromas. Rather than simply bottle what's left, you've got to take a different approach. It's for that reason that they blend their wines with an array of natural flavours and ingredients to create something that pairs as well with a packet of crisps on the sofa as it does with a beautifully cooked meal shared with friends. Bex, you've tried the wines, haven't you? I have. I tried them at the back end of last year and I was completely blown away by the taste. As loads of you know, I gave up drinking last year and the red wine is, oh, I just craved it. The red <laughs> wine is what really, oh, red wine is what really got me and I've tried all of them. And and then when I when I discovered Luke and Wednesdays to Maine, I was like, right, this is it. It's 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 do or die. And ordered a bottle, and it was it's it's so good. It's so it's just like red wine. And also, it's not just that about when you when you're not drinking and you're sat at a table full of adults. You know what is the alternative? So many people don't even have it's it's like wine or water. Mm. And having that wine that you can take to a party with a beautiful label and a beautiful bottle, it just made me feel like a grown up. Feeling part of the moment and part of the conversation are central to Wednesday's Domain's ethos, and we couldn't agree more. And finally, you might be thinking, why on earth are they called Wednesday's Domain? Well, we asked the same question and loved the answer. They want to become your midweek wine alternative, providing you with all the joy that comes with opening a bottle and pouring a glass, yet none of the after effects you'd find in a regular bottle of wine. If that's tickled your pickle, find out more at wednesdaystomain.com and please take advantage of their 15% discount code GIRLGANG15, available until 31st of March 2023. Welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we are joined by Laura Amies, who is also known as Nanny Amies. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. So you're tick you're majorly TikTok based, aren't you? Yes. I probably spend more time on Instagram. Okay. TikTok just it seems to get more traction. So it kind of looks like I spend more time over there, but actually I pile probably a bit too much time into my Instagram page. <laughs> I see. And tell us a little bit about what you do. Look, I nearly called you Amy then just because we were talking about it before we started recording. <laughs> Tell me what you do, Laura. So in a nutshell, I help parents tackle any really common challenges such as potty training or sleep disturbances, selective eating, major outbursts or regular major outbursts um, because I've been caring for and working in family homes, well, for around 22 years or caring for children in some capacity for over two decades. So I've been able to kind of, I feel like I've been there, done that, seen it all. I've studied 
it, my entire life basically has revolved around childcare and child development. So if parents or families are struggling with something, they come to me, they tell me what's going on. And then I say, okay, yeah. So you, you've got A, B, C, and D. What you can do is one, two, three, four, and hopefully that should smooth things out. That's the long and short of it. Wonderful. It must be a bit of a lifesaver for a lot of families. Yeah, it's I'm incredibly lucky. I always sound so cheesy when I'm talking about my job, but I do feel really humbled every time somebody even considers asking for my advice. And then to get those kind of emails or calls back saying, oh, my gosh, we slept. We all slept. Mm. (laughs) Oh, yay. (laughs) It's it's a really lovely um, position to be in. So. That's so nice. I'm so it's so nice that you can look at it like that because it is. I think it's quite, it's quite a humbling experience to a pet for a parent to admit that they are struggling as well, and it's quite difficult. Makes you quite vulnerable yeah. to go. Actually, my child is doing this, and I don't. I don't know what to do. So it's yeah. really lovely. You can have that. You know, even I'd say for the first a big chunk of my career, I didn't know any of that stuff either. You don't know it. You know, you just you keep children safe. You know that they need entertaining to some degree. You know they need a bedtime routine to some degree and they need a bit of fresh air. But really past that, what do, what are we taught mm. in terms of child development or child behaviours? So it's only through study and lots of experience. So a parent might have, you know, two, maybe three children or what, however many children you have. But that's obviously very, very individual to you and your little nest. But yeah. actually... If you spent time with 500 two-year-olds, it's then when you're able to start seeing patterns and, oh, okay, I get it now. That's why they're doing that. So it's, I think it's actually quite rare that you can use that logical view towards child behaviour because when you are in it and you are sleep deprived and you're just yeah. trying to survive, I don't think many people can, you know, see the answers or even there's not always answers but do you know what I mean it's Mm. it's hard when you are so emotionally invested so when a parent then thinks I need backup that is why I'm so humbled because I would never ever take that for granted especially when I'm invited into a family home Mm. really lovely tell us how you became part of the gang so the the first time I didn't even realize I was part of the gang until somebody I'd mentioned it on my social media and somebody mentioned you guys and I as soon as I just saw your um you know your name I thought oh my gosh yeah it it just it was such a lovely feeling so thank you for that before I delve in but I almost feel a bit fraudulent when I talk about the first time because it it's such a strange I'm sure it's happened to many many people but I was basically I was sat here in this office like I do every day and I've been feeling quite emotional I, I'm quite a sensitive person anyway so my friends or my family will know me as a bit of a crier um and I'd cried quite a lot that day <laughs> over the most silly things and mm. little things like my husband when my husband and I met and we moved in together he fetched a cat with him and me and the cat don't necessarily love each other. I take good care of him, but we're not, we don't bond. And up in my office, I could smell the cat food from like down in the other, and I was crying because I could smell the cat food. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> ridiculous. Hey, cat. And I'm like, why? I'm in my office. Why should I have been smelling the cat food? And then I just started to think, hang on a minute. I'm starting to feel a bit queasy. Well, you know, do you know all of these things start clicking into place? And then it made me think, oh my gosh, when, when was the last time I had my period? Realized I was yeah. two weeks late and we'd been trying. So I sat there, suddenly thrilled that I could smell the cat food because I thought, my, oh my gosh, it must, I bet, I bet I'm pregnant. In that split second, I got up to do a pregnancy test and had the most horrendous stabbing pain. Like, you know, a period pain, but just a million times worse. Continued to the toilet, did a pregnancy test. It was incredibly faint. And then I spent the next week heavily bleeding. So I feel a bit fraudulent in some ways. I was pregnant, but I knew I was pregnant for a matter of minutes before Mm. the miscarriage started, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's really strange. I very much just cast it aside to a point of, well, 
yeah, I can't really be sad about it because I didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you can be. You can be sad yeah. about it because, you know, it was something that you wanted and you'd hoped for and 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 you were. So so you you're very entitled to be sad. Yeah. It's horrible that we're made to feel like we can't be sad. Yes. I'd, and I don't know. In that instance, I don't necessarily think that that was kind of a societal thing. I feel like that was myself, not. There's, there's people that have been through the most horrendous situations and what I dealt with in my office for that week, it wasn't worthy of kind of a big fuss and a big upset. So I just very much kind of brushed it under the carpet. But looking back, I do think, I don't know if that was bravery or just a bit of denial, or perhaps a mixture of both. <laughs> you know, I, can't, I can't really fathom it out in my own mind. I think you don't feel like it was societal I think it was I think it is because the reason you felt like you couldn't be sad about it is because no one else you don't hear anyone else being sad about so society because it's all like swept under the carpet and it's hush hush it's it totally is a societal thing because yeah yeah Yeah, that does make sense Uh, yeah and actually I'd had it wasn't until my third miscarriage that I then found out about you guys. So I guess if I'd have been listening to your podcasts or, you know, I'd been, cause I got your audio book, if I'd have listened to that, perhaps, but I guess you wouldn't listen to it unless you've had a miscarriage. Yeah. It's like really strange limbo, isn't it? It's, I think look, what Laura's saying is right. It's like you're, the, the way you felt was the way you felt because that's the way we're all taught to felt yeah. the fact that, society is the way it is but I was going to ask you if you could go back and discover that you were pregnant two weeks early like just before your period was due would you or would you keep it would you rather have not known oh that's a good question that's a real as you know I have never thought about that um given given what I then did go on to experience with my third and I did know and I had plenty of time to think about it, I would actually say that that first one was a really nice run up. It was a really nice way to ease me into the world of miscarriage. I actually wouldn't change it now um, because for wh- whatever the reason is that I was able to kind of put, you know, the stiff upper lip on, it helped me in that moment not to kind of dwell. And I, I say dwell, I genuinely believe that everybody has to experience any level of grief or upset in a way that's really individual to them and it does need kind of working through in your mind but how I just tend to cope with things I've had a few kind of you know upsetting things happen throughout my life and I'm very much a if I'm not incapacitated physically I need to just get up and get on with it and and just just deal I'm very much a nope let's go we're all fine here let's ship shape Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that's the right way to deal with it. It's just conveniently how I deal with it. So yes, the first one helped me in the way that I generally process things anyway. So what happened, you know, take us through what, what happened next. So then I kind of had that. Okay. So I did a little bit of research and okay, well, this is really common. It's really common. Nothing to worry about. Yes, it's happened, but you know, let, let's kind of crack on. As I said, let's just keep going. Um, and then a very similar thing happened with the second one. That one was much more physical in the sense that this it pretty much the same thing, but with my husband and I had taken his mum out for the day to a neighbouring city and the most inconvenient <laughs> upset tummy occurred. Now, we all know that when there's public toilets involved... <laughs> It's just horrendous. And it, it wasn't until I got home, we had to think like cut the day short. We got stuck in a traffic jam on the way home. I was sat with a carrier bag on my knee the whole time thinking that I'd got a stomach bug. Um, and then I don't know. It's, I feel like this one is a bit too graphic to talk about. I have to be honest. Um, I just I passed something into the toilet that I actually can't describe. It led to much Googling, very strange and very unlike the first one, but it had the same thing with the pregnancy test. Um, So that happened. And then I was very much, I I just, you know, I'm not in the market for this. I don't, I I don't think I'm supposed to be a mum. I, I, this is, 
you hear stories of women that have so many of these instances and I just cannot imagine the strength that takes. Um, so I was kind of saying to my husband, I just don't think if this is what will happen each and every time, I, I'm just so sorry, I can't do it. So we took a bit of a break. And then, you know, time is a good healer, isn't it? So we thought, OK, let's let's try again. Was, uh, sorry, Laura, sorry. was your husband on the same page as you at that point? Or was he like, no, come on? It's <laughs> so my husband has pretty much wanted us to try for a baby from the day we met. <laughs> well, that makes me sound like a real keen bean. Not to, not quite to that extent, but he's six years older. So he's 46. Okay. I'm 40. So from the perspective... 40? Bloody hell. You look yeah, I just turned 40 a couple of weeks ago. So obviously that's a massive thing. That's a whole other topic. I have really been career focused and yeah. I've had opportunities in my career. So, sorry. I'll go off on a, a million tangents. Call me back in. <laughs> but we, when we got married, which was five years ago, obviously then we was like, okay, let's let's start trying for a baby. But I was still very much, I was still almost like a living nanny. We we didn't see each other very often, and I knew I'd have to leave my nanny family if I were to fall pregnant, and I wasn't quite ready for that. I adored the family that I was caring for at the time and just the thought of moving myself out fully out of that home was heartbreaking so you know I said you know why don't we literally have a a year or two of just being married and just we were living in London at the time just let's just be and Mm. and he was really happy to you know to have that but he the whole time you're very much you know we time's getting on and more so for him so then we decided yeah okay that yeah, I agree. I've kind of put it, it sounds really bad. I felt like I'd put it off, but I I really had this zest. I didn't, because I probably because of what I did for a living, I was offering 24 care around the clock. So as wonderful as that is, I know only too well what that means for your life. Mm. And I still very much clung to my, I used to get 36 hours off a week in a chunk and I clung to those 36 hours with all I had. (laughs) I would go places, I would go to brunches, I would go out. I would literally, you couldn't have crammed more into 36 hours than I did. And I think because of that, it gave me a little bit of an apprehension towards do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? It was yeah, yeah. Because you're not, you can't do that when you're a parent. You no. can't take six hours off and go for brunch. It's, and, it's and, not, you know, certainly in the early days, it's not something. It's not possible. So I totally get what you're saying. And and can I say, I know that there are more important things in life than brunch. I know that. Are there though? I'm questioning that. Almost great. Um, anyway, we kind of got to this point where yeah, I said, do you know what? That we've had a couple of years living in London. This is lovely. And then I was offered a wonderful opportunity to take part in a little TV programme. And I just couldn't turn it down. And I just said to my husband, I am so, I could cry actually thinking about it because I was younger. So perhaps things wouldn't have happened the way that they've happened. It's a horrible guilt that I, I literally cart around in a big bag on my back every single day since. But I just, I knew I couldn't have done it if I was to fall pregnant. So I felt like that was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. So we we did decide together that I, I would be silly to turn it down. But I didn't really know what was involved in filming and you know, I'd never done anything in TV before. So it was a really long process. So it ended up kind of putting us back like almost a couple of years and then horrendously it's probably really embarrassing to admit actually but hey ho um then once it was getting ready to the the um program airing I suddenly said oh my gosh what if I'm offered a second series I can't be pregnant for a second series to which my husband is obviously rolling his eyes at this point I mean he should have just left me in the wind at this point I'm making myself sound really selfish but it's you know it's just an opportunity that and I was still I was 36 so I still felt like I had lots and lots of time um 
and anyway, I kind of waited and waited. The, the second series never came. Then we moved and all of these things. So it's just kind of been a very much a long, a long journey to get to the point where I can really wholeheartedly say I am trying for a baby. Yeah. So with that comes a lot of guilt um, and probably all the more reason why perhaps now I'm psychoanalyzing myself, why I wouldn't have gone on and on to my husband about the fact that I'd known I was pregnant for five minutes before I lost it because that wouldn't have been fair on him either. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so I've had two, two of those instances. And then back in April, a very similar thing, all the signs, took the test pregnant a big thick healthy line on that pregnancy test completely unlike the others that I'd had and my husband actually works away throughout the week and I knew I didn't want to tell anybody before I told my husband but I didn't want to tell him over the phone but I was kind of left in this quandary thinking it might go away so I don't want to necessarily make a big fuss out of it but when he comes home on a Friday night, absolutely shattered. I don't just want to say, hey, we're pregnant. <laughs> so I went and made this little kind of scene in the bathroom with a little tiny jumper that says, you know, my daddy's the best. And I put the pregnancy tests on top and a little sign that I use actually in my office here saying, mummy has something to tell you. It's so corny, so cheesy. Um, and then I just waited and waited for him to come home that day usually the first thing he does after a long drive is dash to the bathroom as you can imagine he'd gone to the bathroom right before he got home <laughs> so I was sat in the living room kind of thinking do you need the toilet love do you, not, you don't need the toilet can I, can I give you a drink <laughs> I'm trying to fill his bladder up um, hours later he went to the toilet and found this little scene and this I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger smile no. I'm not I'm actually not crying for me I feel sad for him mm. yeah it's horrible the guilt that you have around other people so I mean you can feel guilt for, for all sorts of things but I think when when you see in the faces of other people how much it means to them um you can't help but sort of well, personally, hate yourself a little bit and be annoyed yeah. at your body and those things. It's yeah. really difficult. It is. It is. And I'm, I am honestly such a logical person. And I'd be the first one to, I hope, to give somebody some, like just like what you've just said there, some really, you know, heartfelt and logical advice. But when, when you are in that point, it's just so hard to use it on yourself, isn't it? Mm. So... Absolutely. Yeah, so but it was lovely and I'm I'm so I'm glad I did that because I felt you know obviously we'd not had that chance with the other two. Um and then yeah, everything was brilliant. I felt brilliant, I'm a bit sick here, and I've just felt I don't know how I kind of thought you would, knowing that something's growing inside of you. It's something I'd never really thought about. Um and then Four weeks, I talked, so I talked to my mum and I told my best friends, but obviously we don't possibly tell anybody else, do we? <laughs> but anyway, I still hadn't found you guys yet. So <laughs> I was very much in the, we don't talk about it unless we get to 12 weeks. Um, I was being very, very well behaved and went about my day-to-day business and travelled because I'm up in Yorkshire now travelled down to London to do some sleep training which had been scheduled in and I was feeling completely fine so it wouldn't have ever crossed my mind to cancel it not when there are tired parents (laughs) waiting for me no way um and yeah I think it was on my third day I started getting tummy cramps and I just thought oh no oh god but they were there were nothing in the beginning there were nothing like what like the others had been real stabbing pains so I thought oh, you know after you do a bit of googling and it can be quite normal to feel cramps so I wasn't worried totally fine I'm telling myself um said goodbye to that family and then I was due to go and visit another family and on arrival literally as I was walking through the door to the other family I felt like I'd come on my period and I knew that was a bad sign 
Um, and I'd, it was a family that I'd actually, uh, I knew quite well. And I dropped my bag, said a quick hello. So I just need the bathroom. And as I'm walking to the bathroom, I just felt, I mean, hopefully it's only ladies listening, but you know, when you are, if you were on a heavy period and you can feel that you're passing things, mm-hmm. I felt something pass and you couldn't write this. And the lady that, that this happened with, I love, she meant no harm. But as I was walking to the bathroom, she literally put her hand on my tummy and said, when are we going to have a baby, Laura? I was like, oh, hopefully soon. Went into the toilet and found, you know, what we all dread to see when we go to the toilet and we know we're pregnant. So that was that was really tough. That one I did let myself have time to to work through and you know that took weeks I was hospital trips and things Mm. um so yeah that was back in May and sorry Laura just when when that awful awful experience happened did were you able to tell um the mum that you worked for what what had happened and and, and, and I, mortified as well about that comment. oh yeah and oh, and my I was the main concern it was really and do you know what I couldn't have been if I was in terms of being away with work I really couldn't have been in a better place I'm really grateful for that and my all families I work with are wonderful but obviously if you are in a family home for the very first time and you don't know a family particularly well I, I would rather take an issue to my grave than then have to say to a family that are already in need, I need to go, I am not well, that I would just dread and touching wood as I say that. But luckily I knew this family and I left early. Um, There was no question about that. The train journey home was horrendous. Absolutely. Having to look my case, um, being on my own. And and then it was really strange because whilst I was in the family home, whilst I was being very honest, I was still not showing that emotion. I thought, just, just get home, just get home. and We'll deal with it when we get home. And also I'd been on the phone to the midwife. So the midwife has said, you know, of course it's not ideal, but it don't fear the worst. She was being, you know, trying to give me that hope. So the whole time I'm kind of telling myself, you know, it doesn't necessarily spell the end. It's okay. And then my husband came to pick me up from the station and I'd had in because I was in such agony on the train, I'd had this idea that I would perhaps just collapse into my husband's arms <laughs> and, and tell him what a horrible ordeal I'd had. But as soon as I saw him, that same facade of, yeah, yeah, it's like it's not too bad. It's okay, because I didn't want him to feel bad. Mm-hmm. So I that's quite lonely in the I, I can say this because he'll never listen to this podcast. <laughs> This is actually really therapeutic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he won't, he would, abs- if he was listening, he would say, you silly thing. You can always tell me what you're thinking, but there was no way I needed or I wanted him to join in in that pain, either physical or emotional. So I dealt with a lot of that really privately. And that's when I started talking about it online and then somebody said, I think it might have been on TikTok, actually, somebody said, have you heard of, you know, the worst girl going, oh, no. And yeah, here we are. I think so. when, um, when you start talking to someone else about your fears and your, if, if they, it's almost like a self-preservation thing in the fact that if they join in with your anxiety, you're like, oh, my God, this is real. This is real yeah. because they're worried. And if they're worried, there must be something wrong. Do you know what I mean? I think absolutely. often I do that. I keep everything to myself because if someone else put a suggestion of like, are you sure that this is okay? I'd be like, oh my God, it's not, it's not, it's not. And obviously in your case, it wasn't, but it's that kind of, I can make this all right if I don't talk about it. You know, that kind of crazy self-preservation, I'm coping, therefore it's fine type attitude. Absolutely. And I, I think it's like I was saying at the beginning, if you are naturally that kind of character in life, or if you're the kind of person that people come to you for advice, I think whatever dilemma you then go through, that comes through. 
it's kind of like an extended versions of ourselves. So whatever we're going through in life, we we go through within our own characters, don't we? That sounds really obvious, but it's not until you start picking it apart that in day-to-day life, I try to put a front on it. So mm. for the others, for sake of others, and like you just said, to convince myself that things are okay. So inevitably I was going to do that with the miscarriage. Um, but it, it, I, I, it's kind of, it's a disservice because it should be something that you share definitely I would absolutely give if anybody's was to be listening to this as I am giving a speech now but if you are listening to this and you're going through it I would urge you to talk to somebody talk to your partner you know about it because it is a shared miscarriage while you're physically going through it Mm. it is a shared miscarriage isn't it so you said you started talking about that. That was the point you started talking about it on social media. So in what way did you start sort of talking and opening up? Um, I suddenly felt I had this real bee in my bonnet about, I was probably just directing the, the grief at something, about this whole 12-week thing. Mm. I, I kind of, just silly things like that. the lady that innocently put a hand on my tummy whilst I was miscarrying she wouldn't have done that if she because I'd have been able to tell her she'd have known that I was pregnant I kind of just feel like why I don't know it was based I think via a negative emotion in just kind of wanting to get this out hey ladies we don't need to wait 12 weeks if you don't want to I mean if you'd like to and we all know about the statistics and we know about the chances but I don't think it should there should be this rule or an unspoken rule it should just be your own personal journey. So I wanted to talk about it because I know anything I post on social media will result in a form of DM, whether that's me talking about a sleep disturbance, the amount of, I say mums because it's nine out of 10 times it is a mum that will send me a DM saying, I'm so pleased you posted that. I I really did think we were the only ones that were waking up at two, three and 4 a.m., so I knew that the same thing would ha- be happening with, you know, a miscarriage. I'm obviously not the only woman to have, have suffered from it. And the DMs and emails and comments, my gosh, they were amazing. Mm. And that is, that's the gang, isn't it? That's yeah. just, yeah, really amazing. And so many people were grateful to me for broaching it. But I was like, no, 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 I'm so grateful to you for that you know that interaction because it it is such a lonely thing to go through so actually there is nobody better to speak to about it than somebody that has physically been through it as well as the emotional side of it so I'm really glad I did broach it and kind of said to myself if I fall pregnant again once I've told my husband and my mum I'm going to tell Instagram (laughs) (laughs) to try and break this habit you know and obviously because I kind of think even if I didn't if I waited until 12 weeks whatever happens with it with the next pregnancy if I was to fall pregnant again I would talk about it anyway if it if it did result in a miscarriage so I think you know I'm going to just talk about it from day one in fact I'll probably make a TikTok of me taking out the pregnancy stick out of the box (laughs) pregnancy test so yeah it's it's such a kind of personality driven thing isn't it because you can't like I think a lot of it is because obviously the risks of of loss are, are higher before 12 yeah. weeks. And that's that's the reason that we wait to 12 weeks because the risk yeah. of loss is so high before or much higher before 12 weeks. And the I for the people that I told, I felt like a dick. I felt like such an idiot. Like, how can you think, how can you have been so but that is this is again, it's a societal thing, isn't it? Because we wouldn't yeah. think like that. We wouldn't feel no like no one thinks you're an idiot for losing a baby. No. But it's like this kind of inbuilt, like, you know, and I remember when I was walking down the garden with my hand on my tummy, just thinking, oh, what an idiot. What, how could you have, how could you have not known? But it's just this no. such an inbuilt kind of shame that you feel. Yeah. Or hoping. It it's almost like an ego thing. You feel like your no. ego. Just, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think it's ego. I think that is literally your instincts ultimately we are put on this planet to reproduce if you know if we think about our instinctive nature and the fact take away all this you know modern world the fact that I'm sat here in a laptop speaking to you guys wherever you are we are still animals we are here to reproduce so I I think that's part of our 
nature to, to kind of get that feeling and, and want to want to, do, want to do nothing but celebrate it. I, I genuinely believe yeah. that is inbuilt in us. But I think if you're not the kind of character that would openly talk about miscarriage, which is completely your pro- you know, prerogative, then you wouldn't be the kind of person perhaps then to talk about it pre-12 weeks. So I would totally respect and understand that completely. But I think just because I will talk about it, it just clicked in my mind. And I think, well, if I would talk about it whenever it would happen, therefore I may as well flip it on the other side and kind of mm. announce a pregnancy as well. Do you know what I mean? I and perhaps it is a bit silly and naive, but... I know what you mean. I always found it easier to tell people that I'd miscarried if they already knew that I was pregnant versus telling people that, oh, we were pregnant and now we're not. Yeah, that's a lot of information, isn't it? I felt like people were more invested and they cared more when they knew that we were pregnant first rather than, oh, she's having a miscarriage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I suppose what I meant was like, what is it that stops us? What is it that stops us telling us? Is it our egos? What is it that makes us feel stupid for for being hopeful? Is it our egos that we feel stupid? Is it are we worried about what mm. other people think of us when we? Well, when yeah, we, yeah. It's, think, it's difficult, isn't it? It's it's yeah. a really difficult situation, and everyone is so different. Because I, even if I had another baby, I don't know if I don't know that I would tell people before twelve weeks. I don't know. It's 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 such a difficult thing to kind of call. Because then there's a whole lots and lots of people believe that it's superstitious. So they don't. I was know, just like thinking that. And stuff. And yeah. that from, it might like from from a kind of I can't remember the right word, like a realistic point of view. Yes. You know, like rational point of view. You think, no, OK, I know that that telling someone I'm pregnant is not going to tempt fate. But when you're in that situation, it's very real. And if that feels very real to you, you should treat it as real because Absolutely. that's what you're honouring your inner thoughts, aren't you? Absolutely. And if you feel superstitious and you shouldn't do it, then maybe don't do it, you know. But yeah. but we we just, at the worst girl gang ever, we say, do what feels right. If that's telling three or four people that you've really, we urge people to tell two or three, four people, if you don't, you know, if you're, if you're not going to tell everyone, because you do need someone to support you. You do need that support network. If the worst happens, which has happened to us all, right? We know what that feels like. Yeah. You need that person to, to phone and say, I've lost the baby, rather than phone and say, hi, yeah, I was pregnant. Yeah, but now I'm so, no, 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 wait, wait. No, I'm not pregnant anymore. That's an impossible conversation. Yeah. So as long as you've got those people in place, the important ones, the ones who you know, you can phone and go, it's happened, or terribly, it's happened again. They will be there for you 100% and I think that is the that is what's most important whether you choose to tell everyone or not that is the important thing that you have the support there when you need it yeah yeah completely and I'm sure my thought process is different because I do live so much of my life on social media I mean not Mm. all of it by any stretch I keep lots and lots to myself and to my husband um but I think every day I consider what content I'm going to post and or what direction I'd like to take, you know, certain things in. So I'm sure I would think completely differently if my life was different. It's like you just said, everybody's journey is completely individual and we're all influenced by our environment. And you take, a, obviously, you uh, as you just said, you know, you spend a lot of t- your time in social media. So you take a great support from your followers on social media, right? I so do. You, that is your support network. And you can tell them and turn to them and say, this yeah. is happening. And you'll get those DMs and you'll get that support, which obviously has meant so much to you in the past. And, that, and that's really important to kind of recognise and, and do what suits you as well. Yes. Yeah. And I do. I have this really. No, it's not. I was about to say it's really silly, but it's not because actually lots of people think this. But I truly and I truly believe in manifestation. And I kind of I had this little idea in my mind. I thought, gosh, imagine I believe I can. I don't think I'm magic. I don't, let me just check. Everybody knows I'm really logical. <laughs> but I think that you can the power of positive thought. I really believe can have a big impact in your life, even if it just means that it's driving you to to go and get something. I'm not suggesting that I can bring in all of this, you know, positivity. It's kind of driving me to go get it. But I did also have this thought that, gosh, imagine if instead of just telling everybody that you'd lost it and everybody's sending you all of that love and, you know, that heartfelt 
just bundle of loveliness that comes through the DMs. What if you had all of those hopes and dreams for the pregnancy? Mm-hmm. And it, it would, of course, when it comes down to nature and science, it's not going to matter diddly squat. But it was just a little like, thought I had in my mind one day. Well, wow, I wonder what if I could make. I don't know. It's really strange. I think it was ever since somebody wrote, I remember a comment and I don't remember the exact words. I just remember two words from the lovely comment. And it was something along the lines of, I am sending you just the loveliest baby wishes. And it was just something about that comment. I just thought, oh, it's just lovely. And she was, she had the courage to refer to future babies she in her mind was Laura will have a baby and that's obviously a whole other topic because I know that while we're going through a miscarriage you don't always want to think about the future and trying again but the fact that she'd owned this comment and she put you know the little emoji with like the sparkly emoji it was just really stuck in my mind and that was getting me thinking gosh just it would just be lovely to have everybody come along on the journey with me no matter what happens next time Mm. I think it can make a difference I think it like you say it probably is not going to make a difference to the sciencey stuff and what's going on with the baby itself but it can it can really help your mindset and make the experience a lot nicer yeah I think so and I I don't know this whether this is right or wrong I'd actually really love your opinion on this but I have rightly or wrongly said to my husband I, I've got one more chance in me I, I can't I can't sign myself up to an eternal if button maybe situation and but because of our age as well I, you know I'm really pragmatic with that but I don't know if that's kind of then putting too much pressure on if it were to happen again but I, I can I can say in my mind okay I'm I'm happy to start trying again because we haven't been. I could that May, what happened in May was just too too much. So we've recently kind of said, okay, I think I think I'm feeling like I can get my head around it, but I've got literally one last chance. Um and everybody I so in my personal life, everybody I've told that to, no, no, you can't say just what no, you you've got to have a baby, Laura. You of all people need to have a baby. You can't say that. But I think I think that only people that have said that to me perhaps have not had that really horrendous physical and emotional experience. Cause I think if you have been through that, you wouldn't tell somebody to just keep going. But I, I am think, I wrong? I don't know. It's no, not I think you're I think it's really difficult isn't it because I think a lot of these people who are saying go on I can't know you have to keep going and we have this a lot in our group um our our Facebook groups recently and we put a ban on toxic positivity for this very reason because for some people a rainbow baby is not just around the corner and that's okay and that's something that we very much have to cope with and deal with and manage but I think a lot of these people who say come on you can do it are doing that for them because the the idea of you not having a baby is too sad for them to comprehend themselves. And I think it's, you know, that kind of that narrative that we've grown up with that if you if you put in the work, you will get the result you need. And with fertility, it's just not the case. It's not always the case. But we don't recognize that because we've grown up with this Disney narrative. Mm. So we're so ill-equipped to deal with the less than perfect option or the one that we didn't choose first. But actually, there's so much out there. Like we've done loads of podcasts for for people who have who are trying to come to the decision to stop trying, which is an equally as difficult decision yeah. as to keep going. Right? You yeah. know that you've been through it. But that's what we need to get on board with is the fact that there are other options out there. There are other options out there, and stopping trying does not mean in any way, shape, or form that you did not want a baby enough. Because there are more things at play here. There's mental health, there's finances, there's your relationship. All these things are completely fucked when you you go through this horrible experience of loss and recurrent loss and IVF and all this stuff, you know, it all comes into play. So to make that decision is sometimes the healthiest decision that you can make as an individual and as a couple. And that needs to be respected. And if you can, you know, if you're listening to this and you are having like Laura, these people that go, go on, it's just around the corner. You just got to keep trying, keep going. You need to find out a way to respectfully say those, or not even respectfully, that's up to you. Tell them to fuck off for all we care. <laughs> you need to kind of find a way to say, this is not 
perhaps an option for me anymore. I can't, my mentally, I'm not, I can't cope with this anymore. Our relationship is struggling because of this. We can't afford to. Please stop asking me. Please stop telling me that something is going to happen when you don't know that. We don't know that. And it might, you know, but I might be just a shell of a person by the time I have, you know, by the time this this thing that might not actually happen does happen, that I'm not in a fit state to kind of be there anyway. There's yeah. so much more that we have to think about when we tackle this subject. Sorry, passionate rant. Done. No, I, absolutely. <laughs> I am all hail. It's, yeah, it's so true. And I think you feel when you say to somebody, I, you know, I, I need to stop trying. It, it's that whole mixture, isn't it? You feel a bit defeated. You feel I, it's that thing. I wouldn't want people to think that, oh, well, I didn't want one anyway. And I don't know, probably weighs heavy on me because of how much I did kind of postpone the trying. So I always worry, particularly my husband, that he thinks, well, you, you probably didn't really want one anyway. So that's probably some guilt that I really need to unpack. I pro- you know, need to do some work on that. Um, but life... Who doesn't think that? Yeah. You know that as well, don't you? <laughs> I know, I know. and But I do, even though I am, you know, really level-headed, I do think, well, perhaps, Laura, if you had have tried when you were 35 or 36, this this wouldn't have happened. Um, Maybe it's, it's done, isn't it? I know, completely. It's done, it's dusted. This is my reality. Um, but I think even in the most, you know, logical of moments, you you just still have you can't help it can you basically it, it's just there in the in the background and um yeah I'm absolutely certain it is something my husband wouldn't think but it's just it's my little issue basically mm. we've had times of um where we've talked about are we going to do it again or not and you know this is the last chance you know that sort of thing and the what has made it a little bit easier for me is when I first started giving that having that as an option so before it was just like keep going keep going keep going yeah. um we'll get there in the end whereas now it's like it, because that was an option that was on the table it didn't seem as scary and so I sort of opened the door a little bit and let it creep in as as an option and, and try to imagine what our life would be like and try and think of the the positives and the benefits and um, the more I thought about it and the more I actually had it as as an option, the less scary it became. So, um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you is, have you had any testing now that you've had three miscarriages? Yes. So I've had, don't, I really love the NHS. Really, I have only ever had good things to say. Um, but I very recently saw a fertility doctor and walked out in floods of tears, floods of tears, because I've never, actually never in my life met anybody so abrupt, verging on rude. Um, really, I found the whole scenario, I just, I was shocked. So it's not been the best. I have had, um, I've had colcoscopies, um, I've had tests I've had uh, I've even had an MRI but not not actually for the fertility because I have too much information (laughs) I have IBS and sometimes it's quite debilitating so um, I had an MRI which would have shown up any you know significant issues in that area because it was all over my abdomen so um, from a physical perspective they don't think there's anything wrong at all so it leads them to believe it's genetic I was just you know one of those things um the next step is obviously then getting my husband tested um but it was just such a horrible yeah it was a a really horrible appointment that I kind of walked out there thinking god I don't think I'm in the market for that either (laughs) I don't know what I'm in the market for but (laughs) you know sorry you've had that experience it's just we need to do better oh and I did this seriously you know they've got the education they've got the know-how yeah going at their most vulnerable oh shocked anything other than with absolute kindness and comfort and compassionate is not okay no I was really surprised and I thought gosh 
because me and my best friend we speak via video um we don't get to chat that often so we'll like record a video it's like facetime but one-sided facetime that you do in your own time so we just send each other little snippets and I I came out of the the hospital and I literally I must have ranted for about five minutes going on and he said this and it was like and that's probably it was it's really therapeutic to be able to do that and and I actually said you know there are I do consider myself to be a bit of a tough cookie. So I'll have I'll have a moan, I'll have a bit of a cry, and then I'm able to think, right. I won't say any bad words, but <laughs> kind of get that, leave that guy behind and onwards. Um, and I just thought, goodness me, if somebody was literally at their lowest ebb, which is highly likely in that office, and he would have spoke to them that way I cannot imagine what that would have done to their well-being to their whole being it's not acceptable is it no and I did try to call the um like the patient liaison people three times to complain when I was in the height of my upset um but kept getting the answer phone I was like no 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 I need to speak to to a real person. <laughs> I'm not leaving a message. But then as the time went on and I didn't pick up the call, I thought, oh, forget it. <laughs> so I've not even made an official complaint, which I really wanted to because it was just so, so wrong. So, anyway. so what's, the, what's the plan from here? Is there any follow up or? Um, I Yeah, I have a telephone appointment with a different fertility clinic in January. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, I'm now, I'm definitely in a place now where I think, okay, we, we can start trying or seeing seeing what happens. And then part of me just think, you know, maybe Laura, it's maybe it's a bit silly to be trying. Maybe you do need to just do a bit more investigating first. But I am very much a what will be will be kind of person. And I don't know if perhaps that's a bit silly given the circumstances, but I would just rather, if possible, let nature take its course. And of course, that's a silly thing to say. We would all just prefer to let nature take its course. But with anything in life, I always follow my gut instinct. And my gut tells me it's time to start trying again. And this is the last time we'll start trying. And I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay, as, as okay as you can be with that. Yeah. Oh, well, we wish you so much luck. Thank you. Thank we'll you. be um, keeping an eye on your Instagram. Yes, I will. I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep your eye out. I'll be, I'd definitely be joining people in for the journey, whatever happens. Thank you so much for being so honest as well. It's really refreshing to, um, to hear such an honest account of what happened. So thank you. Thank you so much to you guys for all that you give us ladies. You're amazing, both of you. Thank you. Very welcome. It's our pleasure. Keep in touch. We'll keep an eye on your Instagram and TikTok. And um, yeah, hopefully chat soon. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.